The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premier Dance Network. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer of the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premier. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Happy, happy Friday. I hope you all didn't miss me too much as we continue adjusting to me podcasting every other week. I've had some really positive feedback with my new blog, so I feel that it has been the right decision to offer content weekly, but on different platforms. Keeps me going, keeps me inspired. Last week on my blog, Dancing Off Stage, I talked about whether dancers should continue taking class after they retire from the stage, and I got some great feedback, many shares, including uh, one from the director of Royal New Zealand Ballet and Grand Rapids Ballet, uh, Patricia Barker. So you should check it out and see what all of the fuss is about. You can find that blog at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. Other than that, I spent the last week performing Drossmeyer in Greenwich Ballet Academy's Nutcracker, which was a ton of fun. The kids did so well, and I got to share the stage with some of their parents as well, who, while very nervous, also held their own on stage. It was fun to see the entire community up there coming together to put on the performance. A highlight of the weekend was getting to watch the uber-talented guest artists who, while still young teenagers, performed the role of Sugar Plum and Cavalier with a plume. A plume. A plume. <laughs> Elizabeth Byer, she is a GBA, Greenwich Ballet Academy alumni, and she also is a recent winner of the gold medal at the Moscow International Ballet Competition. Um, she was just a beautiful dancer. She took my breath away. She was aptly partnered by her charming cavalier, Charlie Clinton, who trains with Elizabeth at Ellison Ballet in New York City. 
it was truly wonderful to see the next generation find themselves on stage and i was really happy that i could be there to to watch them and also like i said be a part of the all of the festivities on stage it's been a while since i've done a character role on stage and i had a lot of fun doing it before I go on too much about Nutcracker, let me quickly offer a rundown of my current open class schedule. First off, before the open classes, I am running my second Absolute Beginner Workshop in Ballet at Broadway Dance Center starting January 14th. And this is a weekly eight-week workshop on Sundays at 6 p.m., um, Beyond just teaching the fundamentals of ballet technique, I also make sure that you understand the etiquette of <laughs> taking class, what's required ed etiquette-wise in class. And also, I, I offer a lot of fun information and trivia um, about working in the professional ballet world. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can uh, head on over to Broadway Dance Center's website or call them up to sign up for that workshop. Uh, just be forewarned, this workshop caps at 25 people, so make sure you register early uh, to make sure that you get a spot. Beyond this, I'm teaching an intermediate ballet class on Thursday, 1221 at 4.30 p.m. at Broadway Dance Center. And because they don't have any advanced level classes in ballet at BDC, I um, I really run this one as an advanced professional class. So uh, if you're interested in taking my, my higher level class, you can join me then. And then also I have my regular schedule of... Tuesday beginner ballet at 10.30 a.m., Friday advanced beginner ballet at 6 p.m., and Sunday basic ballet at 6 p.m., which will, the, sun, the basic ballet will transition to the absolute beginner workshop on the 14th of January. So if you want to burn off that turkey or ham, cut those cookie calories, or sweat out those holiday cocktails, you know where to go to do it. Alrighty, so um, I've been debating whether or not I want to share what I'm going to share with you today um, for a couple of weeks now because I'm, I'm not really a big fan of, fan of uh, jumping on the bandwagon with all of these social media witch hunts and all of that. But I, I was just thinking about what my purpose is in having this podcast. And uh, one thing that I constantly talk about is the fact that I want to speak candidly about the way that the dance world works. And this topic is unfortunately something that has been brought up recently in the dance world. And I mean, it's been all over media for many different professions. So I figured I should go ahead and speak about it. So this is just a disclaimer. Um, we might need to label this this episode as explicit. I'm not quite sure yet. We'll see what happens because I don't have any notes prepared for this. I'm just going to talk with this one off the cuff. So um, where to start? Earlier this week, there was an expose in the New York Times that was discussing how Peter Martins has been accused of sexual harassment and uh, possibly sexual assault, um, and that there was an internal investigation at New York City Ballet and the School of American Ballet, where he, he leads both the company and the school, to see if these allegations were true. Um, and this is kind of coming on the heels of so many other <laughs> Things I know. If you haven't heard about this I, in in the the world, I don't know where you've been. You probably uh, have cut yourself off from social media, so I don't know how you found my podcast or the news or anything like that. But kudos to you if you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's been uh, a lot of talk this year about uh, how. 
prevalent sexual harassment is mostly for women. Um, and Harvey Weinstein and just recently Matt Lauer, uh, a bunch of people have either been, they've lost their jobs or they've been, uh, they've lost a lot of, uh, they've lost a lot of accrediting and they've also just been exposed for the way that they treat people around them, mostly women, uh, that could, that that were professionals that could potentially get favors for doing favors in their, in their profession. So, um, I'm not really here to talk about those or to discuss those, but what I'm here to do is tell you about an experience that I had and hope, hopefully by, by sharing this experience, I can also, you'll also get some tidbits into how I was prepared to deal with this, how I dealt with it, the aftermath of it, and then, um, where, where I am with that today. So, um, let's get started with this conversation. Um, so, okay. I, wasn't really interested in ballet like as a career until I was about 15 or 16 years old. So I was kind of a late bloomer and I really had to push myself to uh, really, really fast and and really hard to get to where I wanted to be so that I could uh, catch up and have a career in ballet, which I'm very lucky that I was successful in, in achieving that. Um, but uh, along the path, I was lucky that we had the internet as uh, around the, my teenage years. I'm technically an exennial. That's a new term that they're coming up with. So I, I grew up without the internet, but it came into play like during my teenage years. So I adapted pretty quickly to all of it. Um, and there were a handful of websites that I would frequent um, that provided information about dance because I was hungry for information about dance and we didn't have like websites that you could go to. Um, there wasn't YouTube pretty much the only way that you could gather information about the dance world was you either had to call and request, which I did, but you had to call and request pamphlets of information or like season, uh, information from companies, um, and have it mailed to you. You, um, could look at dance magazines, uh, or you could purchase VHS tapes or rent VHS tapes from libraries if you're you're fortunate in, enough to have those in your local library. Um, there there weren't too many ways before the internet to gather information. And once I finally did get a computer <laughs> and internet, I feel like I'm really aging myself today. Um, I was just trying to find every small pathway that I could I could find that information. So I I started going to uh, a website, a forum that I've talked about here before called Ballet Alert. Um, and there was, so there was Ballet Talk, I believe, and then there was Ballet Talk for dancers. And one was um, really for kids and parents trying to find a pathway to a career for their, their uh, for themselves or for their kids. And then there was one that was uh, more informational. It was like reviews. And that one is still around today. I don't know about the other one, but the one, the one that's more for adults, it provided reviews of companies, information about companies, um, conversation and discussion on different aspects of our art form. And I really fell in love with the platform. Uh, there were one or two other websites that I would frequent, but that one was a, a main one that I really gained a lot of information from. It, it tends to be a real major gossip site, which I don't mind at all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how do I learn so much about the dance world? I, I hear everything from gossip to fact to uh, studying and researching to just 
gaining perspectives from uh, professionals to non-professionals. Um, but anyway, not to get off track. So I, I, before I became professional, I would post uh, here and there on ballet, ballet talk. I, I don't anymore. I just, I'm, I call, I'm what you call a lurker. Um, but so in my process of posting, I began to attend the Kirov at a certain point, the Kirov Academy in ballet. And my, my handle was Kirov Boy. And there was somebody on the site that started to, that I forget how they, I think they sent me a private message. And we ended up exchanging AOL Instant Messenger name. So again, dating myself. It's pretty much like a Facebook message messenger <laughs> if you don't have it <laughs> or if you don't know what it is. Um, but so AOL Instant Messenger, we had exchanged names and this person, um, we started talking to each other frequently. And I started to learn that this person had a very high position in a major company in the country. And at the time when we first started talking, I was 17 years old. So I was underage. Um, now, let me preface this just a little bit with this conversation. So I have a very overprotective Jewish mother. <laughs> and around the time that I was 15, when people started showing interest in mentoring me or taking me under their wing or assisting me on my path towards a dance career, my mom was <laughs> very, very protective. Um, I remember, for instance, her having a conversation with one of my, my mentors at a, a very young age. <laughs> I think I was 15, 16, Bob Rizzo, who was spectacular to me and he has nothing to do with this conversation about sexual harassment. But I remember her <laughs> pulling him aside and giving him the business, be just being like, you don't touch my son. You don't treat him this way. You make sure that uh, he is treated respectfully as a child and I will check in with you because I'm going to trust you and I have no problem suing you. <laughs> she, she was very straightforward with him and he was fantastic to me and he really was the first person that introduced me to the New York dance scene. The first time I took class at uh, Broadway Dance Center or at Steps on Broadway, it was because he told me to, He I stayed at his apartment and he told me where to go. He was fantastic and I'm so appreciative to him. So he has nothing to do with this conversation. But so before I first went to spend uh, a weekend at Bob's uh, to go take classes at Broadway Dance Center and Steps on Broadway, um, my mom sat me down and she gave me a lecture. And I'm going <laughs> to kind of tell you how it went verbatim. She said, first off, you are a very attractive young man. And because of that, you're going to have many women that are interested in you, but you're also going to have many men interested in you. And you have to be very careful about the, si the signals that you put out and also in how you interact with these people because you don't want to give them the wrong, the wrong signs. But in the end, it's up to you to protect yourself to make sure that these things don't happen to you because I won't be around to protect you your entire life. So here I was at the age of 15, 16 years old, and she was sending me off on my own. And she, she told me, essentially, I, I'm not going to be able to protect you, but I can give you the tools to, to help protect yourself. Um, and I'm really grateful that she, that she gave that to me. But of course, at the time, I was, <laughs> I was like, this is insane. What, what is she talking about? I, I don't think anything of it. Um, or I didn't think anything of it. So, um, Everything was fine through that. And, um, oh, and I forgot what I left, the other part that I left out that she told me. She said that you are in a profession where there are many people that are very interested in getting ahead. And sometimes people in power, they will use 
you sexually in order to to or, or they could abuse you sexually in order for you to get ahead and you need to make sure that you if if they show interest you have to really truly be interested or you have to have integrity and know that sometimes it's better not to get ahead in that moment and to have your integrity because in the end whether you have a career or you don't what you will have is your integrity and um for anybody that knows me, I'm a huge integrity person and I have been my entire life. And I think that that also, it really stayed with me throughout my, throughout this time. So, okay, let's get back to this ballet talk, AOL Insta Messenger thing. So, okay, I started having conversations with, uh, this person who I am not interested in defaming. I am, I have no, no wish for retribution. Um, this is something in my past. I'm just sharing a story. Um, so this person was again, a major, they were high up in a major company. Um, and we're just going to leave it at that. So we, we started talking as friends. There was a major age discrepancy between us, at least 30 something years. Um, and I was, I had never really talked to somebody who had, uh, had such a substantial career and who was in the administration of a company. So for me as a 17 year old, that was thrilling. I almost, it was kind of like this fun little secret, uh, while I was at the Kirov Academy of Ballet that I was secretly on AL and the messenger having conversations with somebody in a company that I really, really held on a high pedestal. Um, so the conversations were fine, discussing our love for ballet, or discussing discussing our love for Vaganova technique. I mean, I was Kirov boy, and they had reached out to me because they were, a, I think it's called a Russophile, somebody who's obsessed with Russian culture. Um, so we bonded over that, and we became friends. And we started talking almost daily at this point. Um, after a couple of months, I started to get this sense that we were, this conversation was starting to shift away from our art form. Um, I remember my sexuality being brought up, and at the time I thought I was straight. Um, and that's another conversation for another podcast <laughs> on another <laughs> on a different podcast that isn't about dance. Um, but so I still thought that I was straight, and um, I I had never explored my interest in in men. Um, and we started to have conversations about that because I guess we had sort of, in my opinion, we had ex- we had reached a point where we were, we could talk about our personal lives uh, and our personal interests beyond just uh, the art form. Um, but I didn't expect it to start to turn into conversations about my sexuality. But I was young, I was impressionable, I was curious. So um, he would ask me about girls in my life. And uh, usually, I didn't really ask too much about his life because it wasn't I was so young, I just I just didn't think to ask those things, and I wasn't really interested in knowing about his his love life. So uh, the conversation slowly started. I uh, started to get a little awkward one night, and I just quickly said, "I'm tired, and I'm going to sign off." I was really lucky that this wasn't face to face. Most of this was through the internet. So we didn't. I didn't sign back on for a couple of days, and we didn't talk for a while. Um, and then finally, like a week later, I got back on. And he asked me where I'd been. And I mean, I, I guess I was the kind of kid that really took my mom's advice. So I said, look, you started to go in a direction that made me feel a little uncomfortable. And I, I don't feel that we should really be talking about that considering at this point I had turned 18. So I was of age. Um, I said, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this stuff. So he said, oh, no problem. Thanks for letting me know. And we moved on. 
So we started talking for a couple more months. And by that point, uh, I had transitioned to the School of American Ballet for the summer. So I was in New York City for the summer. And this man ended up teaching at a summer program in the New York area, not the one that I was at. Um, so I had the 4th of July off, but the school that he was teaching at didn't have the 4th of July off. So he said, Hey, um, why don't you come meet me at my apartment and then you can come take class with me. And I said, you know what? I was like, that's amazing. I would love to meet you in person. I would love to take class with you. I'm thinking career opportunity to be seen. You're always reading in magazines and different periodicals. Like how did this person get their big break? Oh, well they just came and took their class and, like, I, I just had this whole story in my head, like, oh, I would go take his class, and they'd be like, wow, he's so amazing, they'd offer me a job. <laughs> Little did I realize that there was some underlying ideas happening there. But so, he asked me to come to his apartment first, and then said that we could walk to class together, and I don't know why, it just really raised a red flag. And I, it had been months since the conversation had started to lean in the sexual uh, realm, of of things so that didn't really cross my mind but i it, it just the conversation from my mom it, it continued to ring in in my my mind that whenever you meet somebody you never know who they are what they are even if you talk to them online it doesn't mean you know what they look like anything about them um she said if you ever are going to meet somebody you need to do it in a public place you never meet them privately first and usually the first handful of times you should meet them somewhere public as you so that you can get to know them and see if they are who they they say they are so i told him you know what i am I'm, I'm not gonna have time to stop by the apartment so i think i can just come and meet you at class so I went and i i dropped into his class and he was very excited to see me i was excited to meet him we had been talking for a handful of months at this point and it was nice to finally put a, a face to the an AOL instant messenger handle so we, I took class and that class went really well. He gave me some good corrections. Um, I think I got a couple hands-on corrections, but nothing seemed like it was going in a bad direction. And I think that it was a smart choice to go and, and be seen in a public place and to cultivate a possible relationship that could uh, lead in professional relationship, but to cultivate a possible professional relationship that could lead somewhere um, for my career. I was still a student. So after that, day we kept on talking and um the first of course we were very excited to have met each other and then we talked about my technique and what i can do to improve and then i went home after the school of american ballet and i was going to transition i i, I was going to go to school of american ballet for the year so i had like three weeks at home and i remember it was august of 2002 and this is when things really started to go to go awry so I had been at a friend's graduation party in, in Pennsylvania, in the suburbs of Philadelphia, where I was raised. And her, my friend, one of her, uh, one of her family members, they were harassing me about my sexuality just because I was a dancer. And I, I mean, I was 18 years old. I was still a child. Um, I mean, legally, I was a, my own guardian, but I was still a child. So he was harassing me and I was really upset. And I was kind of just, I didn't really know who to talk to about it because I was a little bit embarrassed about it. So I mentioned to him that that had happened. And instead of just offering simple support, um, I started, he started giving me information about his own 
sexual history somehow to reinforce uh, the fact that <laughs> it's it's really confusing how how to explain. It. But essentially, he said that that was so rude of him to do that to me, and then. Uh, tried to reinforce somehow that I was straight, but then saying that a true man wouldn't be able to handle the pain that is involved in sex with another man and that they are the real men and not those men that are going out making fun of people for their sexuality. And it got, it got really awkward really fast. And, um, I, quickly exited the conversation and again like before i had i decided that it was i needed to take some time away i wasn't i was actually told myself i wasn't going to message him but of course like as a young hopeful student i didn't want to completely sever the relationship because i really wanted to dance with the company that he worked for so i was kind of caught in a a bind and a pickle because I, I wasn't sure if I should keep that relationship going and, and see if he would stop or if I would continue or if I should, I just wasn't sure where to go with it. So I signed on a week later and I hoped that he wouldn't message me and he didn't. And a couple, I kept on signing on a couple days in a row after that. And then finally he reached out and he's like, where did you go? And I was like, well, to be completely honest, you made me really uncomfortable. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, and he, he was apologetic, but he didn't stop doing what I asked him to do. And before I knew it, he was asking me to perform, to, sorry, to let him perform sexual acts on me. And I told him it was really inappropriate and he needed to stop. And he continued and he continued. And finally, after about five minutes of this happening, I just signed off. And we actually didn't end up talking for about two to three months after that. So he slowly, uh, right before audition season started, the year that I was planning on joining a company, he started to slowly conversate with me a little bit, but he, he took baby steps. Um, more like, hi, how are you? I miss talking to you. Um, and I wouldn't respond. And then he kept on going and going. So finally, I said, look, I was like, you need to stop doing that i will not talk to you again if you do that again um i it makes me uncomfortable you're old enough to be my parent um i really want to dance for the company that you're dancing that you're you're working for and i i, I don't want that to affect my possibilities and honestly and this is me i mean i've always been pretty ballsy in the way that i go about things i said if, if you continue to do this i have no problem reporting you to your organization which I don't know what gave me the confidence to do that, but I guess I saw in that moment that I had to take a stand. And even if it cost me the possibility of having a career at this organization that I looked so favorably upon, that it was better to have my integrity and at the end of my life to go, I whatever I achieved, I did it out of my own being and my own work ethic and my own physicality and my own uh, intelligence versus because I performed a favor uh, for somebody. So surprisingly, he thanked me. He got very, he got very submissive. He went from very aggressive to very submissive and he thanked me for um, being so forthright with him and he promised me it wouldn't happen again. Um, 
at times it felt like that that it was leading to that, but it, it didn't really happen again. Um, but a month after that conversation, I told this man that I was planning on auditioning for the company that he was working for, and he was very excited and he told me to come uh, to the audition early so he could introduce me to the rest of the artistic staff. And um, I was thrilled and I went and I remember walking into the office to hand in my, my information in line with everybody else to get my number. And all the artistic staff was there. And when, when I walked in this, at the time, what I thought was a friend, um, their face lit up and they were excited and they pulled me to the side and they introduced me to everybody that was in charge. And it felt like a very, very special moment. Like I, I felt like, I mean, and that's, this is the interesting thing about sexual harassment. While it is unwelcome, (laughs) um, and unwanted, it can lead to other situations that make you feel valuable and and happy and I felt valuable as a dancer and I felt valuable for what I was doing um all the hard work that I put in it felt like it was paying off but I mean looking back at it yes some of that might have been involved but really (laughs) the only reason that he was willing to push me forth that way was because he was attracted to me he was sexually interested in me which is fine but the fact that he was abusing his power in order to get me ahead um be only because of a sexual attraction or mostly because of sexual attraction it wasn't right so okay just to continue on with the story so i went through the audition i made it through to the final cuts and i was offered an apprenticeship with this organization um so when it came down to it, I, I ended up after getting this, this, uh, this offer, I I luckily had a few other offers, but I just, I sat there for days. I couldn't make a decision. And once I had made the decision not to take the, the contract, I was, I was so afraid to share this information. Um, it took a long time for me to, to, to recognize exactly what I wanted and where I wanted to go. And when I looked at, when I assessed my options, I, the one and only reason I didn't take this contract, well, there, there were two. One, I was really interested in, the, in Houston Ballet where I ended up going. But the other reason that I did not take this contract was because I was concerned that, yes, I was being sexually harassed online and um it 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 <laughs> it was a problem at least i wasn't face to face with this person i wasn't uh working under this person they had no effect on my casting on how i felt uh in my everyday life it was really a situation that I could easily remove from my life by just not signing online um signing in online um i was afraid that if i took this contract that i would essentially be forcing myself into a situation where I was going to have to choose between sexual harassment, sexual assault, and uh, my career promotion, uh, my technique, and in the end, my reputation. So I delayed and I delayed and I delayed. Everybody everybody else that I had been offered contracts with, I, um, I told them right away that I wasn't going to take their contracts, but I just really stressed over how I was going to approach this. So uh, 
one night I signed back online and I didn't plan on getting a conversation with this, with this, uh, this guy, but he he messaged me. He's like, Oh, so have you made a decision yet? And I was like, well, I have, but I want to do this the right way and contact the person that's in charge, the person responsible for contracts so that, um, they, they can hear it from me. And, he goes, well, I'm just as I'm, I'm practically the same thing and I can relay that information. So why don't you let me know here? And I said, I'd really prefer not to. And he goes, no, really just let me know. And so I told him that I wasn't going to be taking the contract. And for the next 10 minutes, we had a massive falling out where he berated me and told me what a horrible person I was and how he had pushed for me and he had made it so that I could get that position. And um, it was devastating because I, I felt like I was losing a friend. I felt like I was losing somebody that I looked up to. I felt like I was damaging my reputation with that organization if I ever wanted to audition for them again um, because people change companies all the time. Um, it was really frightening for me. And it, it, it did haunt me for a couple of years. Um, I was afraid to audition for the company. I was afraid to get in contact with the person who was actually in charge um, and it, it was just, it was just a bad situation. But the, the interesting thing about this whole thing is I, <laughs> I, I, this is not a conversation that I haven't had. Um, yes, I'm having this conversation now on a public platform. I have had this conversation very openly with, um, uh, personally with many people that are, that are close to me. So I'm not ashamed of this. Um, and, I used to look at it kind of like this funny experience, like, oh, can you believe this crazy thing happened to me? But these things do happen. And I I, I do want to uh, just put it out there that these things are not as prevalent as you think. That a lot of times when these conversations come out, they... Uh, they get sensationalized and it seems like if it's happened once or twice or 10 or 15, 20 times, that's happening every single day. Um, I can tell you from my time dancing with Pacific Northwest Ballet, the organization, all the leadership of the organization was generally extremely professional and I I didn't experience this. Um, Yes, these things do happen. The ballet world is is challenging because we are very physical uh, and we also act. Sometimes we kiss each other. Sometimes we grope each other as a part of a ballet. Um, So the lines can be blurred, but this was a clear, this situation for me was a clear uh, breaking of professional boundaries. So, okay, I'm just going to talk a little bit more about this um, because I think that the the more important things to get out of this are how somebody that is put in this type of situation can can deal with it in the future. So, like I said, I was lucky that in the beginning of this, before this even happened, that my mom really prepared me. She sat me down. I mean, it might be uncomfortable <laughs> for parents. It's kind of like the birds and the bees conversation, but she sat me down and she had an honest, true conversation with me. And she, she told me, it's okay for you to make a choice not to do something because somebody is going to ask you to do something inappropriate. You should try your best to remove yourself from those situations. But if you are sexually attracted to that person, um, that it is okay to engage with them, but understand that there may be repercussions if there's a fallout, if the relationship doesn't work out, everybody is a different person. They have different intentions. Um, so that was very important for me. Um, along the path to getting uh, in contact with this person, um, we live in a different time now. Back then, it was seen as really taboo to uh, 
meet people you had met online or to date online. And now, I mean, there are thousands of apps where people, everybody's finding each other through dating apps. My mom got married uh, to a person, to her lovely husband (laughs) um, that she found on a dating app. So it's a different time now than it was then. But um, the way that you meet people, it, it needs to be understood. Is this personal? Is this professional? Again, don't meet anybody in a private place. Don't go to somebody's apartment first off. Uh, go out to a cafe. If it's a dance-related thing, go to a go take class with them or go see a show with them. Don't catch yourself in situations where uh, you could be taken advantage of or if something does happen that you don't have any witnesses. Um, if somebody does start to come on to you uh, or if they start to offer sexual advances, um, don't be afraid to say no. And if, if somebody does push it too far, don't be afraid to set your boundaries and say, look, I'm not going to report this now, but I'm just letting you know I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want this to happen again. And if it does, I'm I'm not going to be afraid to do this. And then tell somebody, write it down in an email and put it in a folder that's far, far away. Make sure that there's some type of documentation so that I think that's one of the issues with a lot of these sexual harassment cases. Um, some of them, yes, are substantiated, which is people did their did their homework like I'm, I'm telling you to do if you find yourself in the situation. But there are a lot of times, like if you look at the Bill Cosby case, where there were horrible things happening, if it's true, um, and they waited so long, but they, and there's no documentation and nobody to vouch that this happened. Um, it You really want to make sure that there's evidence so that you can protect yourself. Because if it comes down to the fact that your casting is being affected or that you lose your job over it um, or that you are just being emotionally abused because you refuse to take part in somebody's sexual harassment or assault that you don't want, um, it's important that you have that documentation. Uh, I think another another thing to keep in mind is that a lot of people, they they find themselves in one situation and they feel like it's the only thing that they have and they have to follow through or pretend like they're okay with it because that's all they have. I was really lucky when I went through this experience that I had a handful of contract offers. So I could easily say, nope, not that contract. I'm going to take that other contract. Um, But I, I, I can see how it could be so challenging to have one contract or be in one workplace where you feel like you're progressing, have, have your boss come up to you and uh, abuse their power and try to get you to uh, do something that you don't want to do. It's really important that you understand that in the moment, it may feel like that is the only thing that you have. But if it comes down to something that's going to affect how you feel about yourself in the long run or, or affect uh, your own personal integrity, um, you need to be aware that there are other options if it doesn't work out. Um, it's not always, and I hate saying this, but it's not always in everybody's best interest to file a lawsuit. The second there's a lawsuit, all of a sudden there are legalities that come into play, uh, certain things that get 
put out in the public domain, your privacy could be breached, um, and a lot of different things could happen. So it's not always the best way to best thing to do to sue. Um, but don't be afraid to talk to uh, somebody in a human resources department, even if you don't work for the organization. If somebody, for instance, with this organization, I was too young to know this, I probably could have reached out to the human resources department and said, I need to have a private conversation um, and I'm having this issue and you need to be aware of it. And I mean, who knows what was happening in their own company? Um, in the end, I hope these organizations would want to protect themselves because if you look at situations like right now with Peter Martins, it's not just Peter Martins who is uh, under scrutiny. It's going to be the board. It's going to be uh, dancers that may have been uh, participating in it even. And I'm not, I'm not putting any guilt on these dancers, but people that have stayed quiet um, that participated or people that didn't participate and stayed quiet when they knew it was happening. Um, it's, it's unfortunate because when these stories come out, there are other people that get affected by it um, when really it wasn't their responsibility to say anything. <laughs> Um, they were just trying to go about their own life and their own career um, and so much more. So there's there's been a lot of talk about sexual harassment lately. And I we're definitely in a cultural shift right now where people in power who have been abusing their power are are their day has come. And I feel that a lot of these people are very lucky that many of them are so far along in their careers because they at least got to enjoy most of their career before their downfalls. Um, but I mean, the time magazine cover just came out and the time people of the year person of the year are all of the women that have come forward to, uh, to in the me too campaign, um, and speak and speaking about sexual harassment and sexual assault. Um, and it's important for people to know that this this happens in every profession, not just the dance world. Um, it happens all around the world. It happens to people you know. It happens to people you don't know. And it happens to women. It happens to gay men. And it, I'm sure it happens to straight men as well. So I think we all just need to be a little bit, uh, a little bit more aware of how we go about courting people. Um, and how we treat other people around us. Um, there's much more to be had in this conversation, but I'm going to leave you with that because I feel like I've given you a lot of information. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot. Um, so I, I hope that this, by, by my sharing my own experience with ma a major amount of sexual harassment, um, can, can help you if you've experienced that. And, um, if you are young and impressionable or even mid career and just trying to move forward and, and work hard and get to where you, you dream to go. I hope that if you experience any, uh, uh, sexual harassment or sexual assault in the process, that some of the tips, um, that I've shared and some of the experiences that I've shared can help you along, along your way. Um, like I said, in the end, all we have is our integrity and all we have is how we feel about ourselves. So, um, if anybody needs any resources or if anybody, uh, wants to share their story with me, um, please feel free to reach out to me. You guys know how to get in contact with me. Um, I will tell you that if you do reach out to me for this, I will not be sharing any more information or anybody's stories on my podcast. Um, I like to hear from you guys and I, I often will 
I'll note that somebody that reached out to me mentioned this or somebody did this, did, did that. Um, I will not be doing that if you want to talk to me about your experience with sexual harassment or assault in the workplace, especially in the dance field. So thank you again for tuning in to this episode. I hope it wasn't too heavy for you. Um, I am in a great place and I, I like I said, I don't feel any anger or uh, need for retribution for this experience. Um, it was a very formative experience in my career. And I think it has really, uh, I don't know, everything that I've experienced, I'm always like, this has taught me what I don't want to be. Um, and the the interesting thing about this too is that this person, um, I've heard so many people have so many wonderful, wonderful things to say about them. Um, and I know that there is a dark side to this person. So, um, it really gave me a great, uh, a, a great lesson in life that everybody on this earth has some really wonderful things about themselves and probably a few things that they, they wish that, weren't qualities of themselves. And, um, it, it inspires me to be a better person in everything that I do. Um, and to try to treat people fairly and well, and to, uh, just treat people how I want to be treated. And, and I think that that's really helped guide me. So hopefully I can keep on that path and, uh, keep on working that way. Okay. So I think I have rambled enough on this topic and i am going to close out this episode with that i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of pod chat talking dance if there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com again that's www.barrykerollis.com you can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. You can find that on iTunes or premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also be sure to subscribe to my blogs, dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. That's Dancing Off Stage. And that's where I talk about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. And then you can also check out the archives of Life of a Freelance Dancer, which can be found at lifeoffreelancedancer.blogspot.com. I also have a YouTube channel that features my choreography, uh, and you can find, find that by searching for the channel Be Corollis. Thanks for listening in to Pod Chat. I hope you return in two weeks on Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.